Wow. Have you got your Bibles with you this morning? You've got the Word of God with you? Great. If you haven't bought it, that's okay. We have one on the screen for you. So it's a, it's a good thing. And uh, wonderful. Hey, look, I just want to, um, want to speak to you just uh, and pick up from where I left off last week. And uh, I believe that God has been uh, speaking to me real deeply over the last little while. And um, so this morning, as, I've, as I'm sharing over, over, this, uh, over this scripture, um, I'm just really getting so much out of it. And I'm just feeling God speaking to me big time. And uh, so this morning, uh, I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm speaking what, uh, what God has been speaking to me about and challenging me. And uh, so I encourage you to, to take it on board and open up your hearts and open up your minds and uh, to be expectant this morning. Um, we, can, we can be in the, the right place at the right time, but if we're not expecting, if you're not expecting to receive, if you're not expecting to walk out of this place changed, uh, then you won't do so. I encourage you this morning to open up your hearts and to open up your minds, and uh, we're going to have a great time this morning. And I'm going to challenge you, and uh, we're going to take you up to a higher level this morning. Great. Are you expecting this morning? Should we get into it? Okay, let's do it. Hey, um, it started off with, uh, with, with Randy in the main talking about that, that scripture in, um, in Matthew chapter 16. He says, uh, he talks about the gates of hell. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And it went on to say, um, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind in the heavens shall be bound in the heavens and whatever you loose in the earth shall be loosed on earth. And I've just had this piece of scripture looking around my head for a while and in my heart. And um, the great part about it, Jesus uh, Jesus is walking along and he's talking to the st- disciples and he's asking them, who do you say that I am? What's the, what's the go out there? What's, uh, what's people talking about? What's, what's on people's hearts? And uh, some say you're the prophet Elijah. Some say you're this. Some say you're that. And he goes to Peter, but Peter, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Who am I to you? And uh, Peter gets this revelation from God. Revelation straight from the throne room of heaven. Revelation straight from the, the Holy Spirit. He says, I know who you are. You are Jesus the Christ. You are Jesus the anointed one. You are Jesus the Christ. You are the, the one sent from God. You are Jesus the Christ. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, blessed are you, Peter. Blessed are you. Blessed are you, Peter, because no one's told you this. No one's told you this. You haven't read this out of a sermon or anything. You haven't got this out of anything, but, but, but my Father in heaven, the Holy Spirit has quickened this and showed you this and given you this revelation. And Peter, let me tell you something, Peter. This revelation, this thing, that, this foundation that you've uh, received from, from the heaven, on this, I'm going to build my church. I am going to build a church so strong, so strong, so powerful, that even the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm going to create a church. I'm going to build my church. A church strong, beautiful, and it's going to carry my presence. It's going to build and extend my kingdom into the ends of the earth. And guess what, Peter? And so just after Peter gets this revelation, he, um, Jesus has to put himself in, put him in this place because he thought, thinks it's all about him, that I'm going to be great, that I'm going to go to the ends of the earth, and we're going to set up this kingdom on earth, and I'm going to be famous. But Peter, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Basically, he's saying, Peter got an attitude problem. Just after he gets this revelation from heaven, Jesus puts him in his place. (laughs) Just after he gets this, whoa, blessed are you. You've got to change your attitude. (laughs) And uh, so Peter, so basically Jesus is saying, I'm going to build a church. Peter, it's not all about you. If it was all about you, this would be over in two secs. (laughs) 
This will be over in a matter of a couple of years. But Peter, it's not all about you. I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build. I'm going to gather people from different ethnicities. I'm going to gather people from different backgrounds, and they're going to be different colors, and they're going to they're going to come from different backgrounds. They're going to come from different nations. They're going to come from different cultures. They're going to come from different backgrounds. So some of them are going to come from from good families. Some of them are going to come from broken families. But Peter, I'm going to bring them all together. I'm going to bring them together in a place. I'm going to bring them in together in a place in, 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 in the far ends of the earth. I'm going to put them in a place. I'm going to gather people in a, in a house called Bay City Outreach Center in Hastings, New Zealand. And I'm going, to bring, I'm going to bring all these people together, and I'm going to put an authority in their lives. I'm going to put something in their lives, and the gates of hell will not prevail against them in the Hawke's Bay. Not only in Hawke's Bay, Peter, but I'm going to gather people in, in the different parts of New Zealand and different parts of the world, and I'm going to put my kingdom inside of them, and they're going to carry my kingdom, my presence, my kingdom into every corner of the world, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. The gates of poverty will not prevail against them. The gates of sickness <laughs> shall not prevail against them. The, the gates of depression will not prevail against them. Hatred will not prevail against them. So when you talk about the church, friends, I want to put my name in there. Because the church is essentially, it's not an institution, it's a family. It's made up of people like you and me. From different backgrounds, from different cultures, different colors, different, different giftings, different makeups. So when we talk about the church, personalize it. Friends, Bethlehem, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Poverty is not going to prevail against you. Doug, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against you. Brighton, sickness is not going to prevail against you. For some of you here, depression will not prevail against you. Oh, I want some of that in my life. How about you? Yeah. So basically, he's painting a picture of a, of a, of a house, of a church, and the gates of hell are not prevailing against it. A church so strong with, with momentum and force that carving away into the very corners of society, bringing the kingdom of God into our community. That's the picture he's painting. A church strong, a church with focus, a church with uh, not just a stick figure walking around in a little circle. <laughs> We're talking about a church strong. And uh, so, it, so there's actually three keys, I believe, that, that actually uh, a, a primary to, to building such a strong church uh, for you and I. And uh, one of the things I'm wanting to do is uh, take it both as a church, as a corporate level, but I'm also applying this to my own life. And, and as I'm studying the scripture and studying this verse, making sure that it starts with me because that's where it starts with, because I'm the church and so are you. <laughs> the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Three things. And uh, for, I'll, I'll just tell you this funny story first. And uh, oh, we, we, had this, we had this ski trip a little while ago. It was, it was a few years ago now. And uh, it was the youth group ski trip. And we went up on this bus. And uh, we were up at the ski field. Have you ever seen those, those tow rope things that you, you've got about six lines like that and you, you all line up and you all sort of blend into one and then you catch the tow rope and away you go up the mountain? You ever seen one of those? You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And, that, and, and this row, and it's got these little tires that go like this and they, they sort of they show the different rows. And uh, I was lining up on this row waiting to get on the ski lift, waiting to get on this tow rope. And the next thing you know, everyone's head sort of turned around this way. And uh, what you see was this man. And in fact, he was our bus driver. <laughs> and he was, yeah, he's great. But anyway, he came down and, and uh, he came down that mountain. And we've got six lines of people like this. And he just came down straight through. Wham! Straight through the whole line. The whole six lines. Not only did he take the lines out, but he just took the tires out that. Incredible. 
I was stunned. I thought, wow, it's incredible. People on the ground saying, he gets up and starts, yeah, and a big smile on his face. But he had, he had a couple of things that, that created such an effect. The first thing he had was direction. <laughs> he wasn't zigzagging down the hill. Not one I had. But he had a beeline. There was no swerve, and there was a straight beeline. And he had a beeline straight for the crowd. And uh, there was no swerving. So one of the, what I talked about last week, we're going to have, first of all, direction in our life. And uh, a lot of people talk about your attitude is everything. No, it's not. Your attitude is something. It's a, it's a vital part of your life. But primarily, your direction, your choices, your direction determines your outcome. Your direction determines how your life will be. Your choices determine your direction. Your attitude is one that, can, that will motivate you. Uh, I know a lot of people that have a great positive attitude, but they've really made a mess of their lives. Was it the attitude? No. It was the decisions. It was the choices. It was the direction that their life took. So your direction is really, really important. First of all, you've got to have direction. First place, your direction must be centered towards the house of the Lord. Whenever you look at Israel's, um, Israel's history, whenever their focus was away from the Lord, they got into captivity somewhere. They got into trouble. God brings them out. of There were three captivities I spoke about last week. First captivity was Egypt. For 435 years, they were kept in captivity in Egypt. Then God sent a, God sent a deliverer, God brought them out of Egypt, First thing he said when they brought them out of Egypt, build me a house, build me a tabernacle, build me a place where my presence will abide, build me a, build me a house. Why? Because he wanted their focus to be primarily on the presence and the house of the Lord. Out of the house of the Lord, the kingdom of God is extended. First, the second thing he did when they came out, of, came, out of, um, came out of the wilderness into the promised land, the first thing he said was build an altar, build a memorial altar, build a, bring your focus back on the Lord. Why, even though you're entering in the promised land, your focus still needs to be on the Lord. You look at the tabernacle, and, uh, and, and so I'll, I'll come back to that. But yeah, the, the next time of captivity was in Babylon when they got carried away by a different spirit. The first thing God said was when they came back to Israel, back to, the, back to, the, back to their own land, out of captivity, restore my house. So our focus must be around building the house of God, building the house of God. Now, in the building the house of God, there are many different calls, and there's, there's, there's unity and diversity. There's diverse gifts. One of the, the other thing that we must do in order to keep on direction is make sure that you're, you're on track on what you're called to do. When around the tabernacle, uh, there was 12 tribes surrounding the, uh, around the tabernacle. They all surrounded the house of God. They were, their focus was primarily on the house, but they all had, also had their unique gifting, their unique call, that, and their, their, uh, what God had called them as a tribe to be. Friend, if your direction is not away, if your direction is away from building the house, building the kingdom of God, it is leading you into captivity somewhere. So your direction is vitally important for your life. Just like the man coming down the mountain, don't go zigzagging down like this. Don't zigzag everywhere. You've got to have a beeline, beeline for the crowd. I'm going to punch through this crowd no matter what. Nothing's going to stop me. <laughs> the thing about this man who came down and and so first thing, you've got to have direction. Second thing you've got to have is weight. Now, this guy that came down the mountain was not a small guy. If he was a small guy, if he was a, if he was a child, even the first person standing at the first row could have put out their hand and stopped and just knocked him over, and that would have been the end of it. But no, this guy was a big man. He had direction, and he had weight behind him. He had substance behind him. And that substance had the, had the, had, had the energy stored up with inside it to be able to push through six lanes. 
Six lanes. First thing you've got to have is direction. Second thing you've got to do is have some weight and substance in your life. And I'm not talking about this morning whether you're, uh, whether you're skinny or whether you're medium or anything like that. <laughs> or whether you're cuddly. We're not talking about that. We're talking about this morning, we want to have substance of spirit, substance in our personal lives, substance as you and I in the church, not just paper-thin Christians that um, look like a balloon, maybe have a smiley face on the outside, but in the end of it, they're full of hot air. We want to have substance around our life. Second thing we've got to have is substance around our life. What is substance? What does weight mean? I started to do some searching on this. The word weight means to, to have authority. It means authority. The word weight also means of substance. If you're an English teacher, there's actually the translation of, of the word weight actually comes as a noun, a verb, and an adjective. And as a noun and a verb, uh, it's talking about the, the, the first meaning is authority. The second meaning is to have, to be of substance. In other words, to not be of hot hair, but to have actually some body around your life. How many people got some body around their life this morning? Yeah, great. Uh, fantastic. Look at my wife, man. She's got a body inside of there. Woo! We're going to have a baby soon. Woo! <laughs> it also means, the word weight also means to stand or to stand up, to come up from a place of, of, uh, of somber and to, and to stand up. So I started to look at the word authority. Now, uh, I don't want to get into this in, in, in incredibly depth right now because we can talk for hours on the, on, on the authority. But Pastor Mike has got a, a fantastic series out called The Authority of the Believer. So I just really want to just touch through a little bit Authority. What is authority and where does it come from? The Bible says if you've got your, if you've got your Bibles in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. And it says, let every soul, every soul, every person, every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. No authority except from God. There is no authority from, except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. The, the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Let's talk about authority for a minute. Your uh, authority is something that is uh, both extrinsic and intrinsic. Intrinsic means that it's, it's already built into you. You don't need to derive your authority. You don't need to uh, source it from elsewhere. It is something that is already in you. Now, the only person that has intrinsic authority is God, because the Bible says, you just read it there, that all authority comes from God. Everything else, all other authority is delegated authority. It's an ex, it is extrinsic authority. It is, it's an authority that has been delegated to you and me, either by our positioning or by, by appointment. Uh, like if you look at... Um, you look at a policeman, for example, uh, intrinsically, there is no real authority, but extrinsically, when he's done his study, when he has done his course, he comes to a point where he gets commissioned by the government of New Zealand. He gets a little badge stamped on the side there. It says, you, are, you carry the authority of the government of New Zealand. You have delegated authority. Now, all of us have a, a measure of authority to a certain extent. Pastor Mike talked a little while ago about, about our metro, and I encourage you to go back and revisit that because this is really, again, what it's all about. First of all, we've got to get authority over our own metro, and the, the things that you are responsible for primarily. Authority. The authority that you and I carry is carried primarily only by extrinsic authority. It's, it is something that you and I have been delegated to. The Bible also says, and um, the second thing I want to bring attention to is, first of all, we've got to, the second thing, we've got to know our position. Know our position and that authority. 
Uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, it says, therefore we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So for you and I, if you have been born again, born by the Spirit of God, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. An ambassador is a, uh, is a representative of a sovereign power. Basically, they carry the authority of the sovereign power from which they were sent. They carry, they speak on behalf of the government. The, uh, the U.S. Embassy here, the U.S. Ambassador here will speak on behalf of the U.S. government. He is a delegated authority. He has been appointed. He has been delegated by the U.S. government to extend the interests of the U.S. and New Zealand. So you and I, once you are born again, we are born of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And you and I become ambassadors of Jesus Christ. You get, uh, you get empowered with an anointing, what's called the believer's anointing, for you to carry out the works of Jesus Christ, for you to extend the kingdom of God in your metron. You have a believer's authority. Now, there's other areas of authority that you carry in your life. But primarily, you've got to stand in your position as, a, as an ambassador of Christ. If a policeman, even though he carries the, the badge, if he does not carry himself as a policeman, he he can either, he has a delegated authority, but he doesn't actually walk in it. Many Christians today, many of people, we have a delegated authority from God, but we don't walk as though we are called as ambassadors of Christ. Friends, in our, in our heart of hearts, you've got to know that you are called. You are called by God. The word called means for a specific time, for a specific place, for a specific purpose. You are called as an ambassador of Christ for this time, for this place, for this moment in history. Hold yourself like an ambassador. Hold yourself as a son, as a daughter of Jesus Christ, because that is who you are, my friend. If you are a born-again Christian, if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you are an ambassador of Christ. That is your position to bring the kingdom of God in both culture and power and in glory into the area of authority that you have, into your matron, into your family, into your finances. Wherever your boundary is, wherever your metron is, you have delegated authority to bring the kingdom of God into that place. So first of all, you've got to know your position. Some people have an idea of their permission, but abdicate their responsibility as an ambassador. Friends, the gates of hell, for us to, to be the church that God has called us to be, to remove sickness, to remove poverty, first of all, you've got to stand in the authority and know the authority that you have as a believer and stand as an ambassador. When you get that revelation inside of your life, there is an authority that comes around your life. So know your position. Third thing, to have authority or to build authority in your life, you've got to be under authority. You've got to have a, an alignment. You've got to have your life aligned. Now, the thing is about coming back to authority. Authority is uh, being, the authority that you and I carry is extrinsic authority. It means we carry... Uh, authority from somewhere else. Now, it's quite different and is not to be confused with value. Many people, they confuse the value and, value and authority. They try and find their value from the position that they hold. But see, the Bible says that when, when God formed man, he formed him out of the clay and he breathed his spirit. He breathed himself into mankind. So the kingdom of God is already in every person in this world. Even though we're born into sin, there is a seed of the kingdom of God already within us. Already within you, you have uh, your value as a, as a person, your, va your value as a man, as a woman, as a child, whatever, whatever category you're in, uh, you, your value is intrinsic. It means it doesn't find itself, it doesn't find its value from 
from who you are, from what family you're, you're from, from what name you carry, for what you have, what your position is, what your title is. My value, you look up in my office, my, 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 um, my office says Pastor Dave on the, floor, uh, on the door. It's got, a, it's got a position, but my value is not found in my position. If you start to find your value as a person in what you do or in your position, you will fail miserably. You will, that is not the... You chase a value system that is completely false and that will let you down. Your value as a person is who you are intrinsically. God has made you the way you are. You don't need to have position or authority. Your, your value as a person is not at all equated to your authority. Your authority is extrinsic. Your value is intrinsic. A $20 note is always going to be a $20 note. It will always hold the value of $20, whether it's in my pocket, whether it's in your pocket, whether it's found in the gutter, whether it's found in the bank, whether it's found wherever it is, it's intrinsic. Its value is in itself. And so your authority, many people have different levels of, of authority, but it doesn't determine their value. My friends, you are of immense value to God. You are immense value to the body of Christ. And your position in that body and in the body is not by any means de determined by what you do. You're, you are valuable. You're special just because you are you. So your authority, one of the things we also, we've got to know our authority. We've got to be under authority. So there are different levels of authority. There are, there's one level of, of value, but there is a, there's different levels of authority. Now, the Bible says in um, and, and talks about in, in Luke chapter 7, it talks about the centurion's servant, where the centurion has a, a servant that had fallen sick and he was about to die. And, and the, see, I don't believe this, the centurion, it was just a one-off occasion. I believe the, the centurion had spent some time observing Jesus, watching how he uh, treated people, watched how he walked, watched how he, watched how he uh, behaved. He, he, he saw how he treated people. He saw the miracles. And he could recognize that there was something about his life that there was a, there was a, he was positioned right. So even Jesus said, the authority I carry is not my own, but it comes from my father. And so the centurion, when, he, when his servant is sick, he, he, he knows in his heart that, that there's a Jesus, this Jesus here. I believe that this Jesus has what it takes to heal my servant. So he comes and he doesn't even, send, he doesn't even come himself. He sends his messengers along. And he says, my servant... Uh, my, my, my master's servant is sick, and, uh, and please do not trouble yourself for, for coming because I, then it goes on to say that my master knows that, that you are a man under authority just as he is a man under authority. So we, talk, we operate in a kingdom. We don't have a democracy. The, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. It is a kingdom. It is a kingdom ruled by love and justice, peace and joy, not by fear and control. And so Cornelius recognizes that this man, Jesus, was a man under authority. He recognized that he heard it. And so he said, I also recognize that you are under, you're a man under authority. Uh, I too am a man under authority. And he says, uh, I, I, I speak to this one, come over here, and he comes. I say to that one, go over there, and he goes. I say to this person, do that, and he does that. And he said, Jesus, I, you only just need to say the word. And so Jesus turns around and looks at, this, looks at this centurion who's not a Christian. He's a Roman centurion. He's a Roman officer. And he says, Jesus was stunned by the guy's attitude, by this unsaved man's attitude. He said, I, I, I'm astounded. He, he turns to the people beside him. He says, I have not seen such great faith even all in the house of Israel. 
Basically, he's saying, even in the church, I haven't seen such a man with great faith <laughs> who knows his position. He's got an understanding of authority. So, friends, you and I must understand our, our place in, in, in the kingdom of God. We must understand that. And, and, and also, if you want to have authority, you've got to be a man or a woman that can be placed under authority. Most people don't like to be told what to do. Too pride, too prideful. The Roman centurion didn't say, well, we, we, if I want something done, we, we have a committee meeting and we discuss it out, we get some feedback and we, you know, tell me guys, what's your feeling? Should we go to war or should we not go to war? Should we go and break down this? Come on, guys, give me something. What are you feeling about this? We're going to break down the wall. <laughs> go do it. Yes, sir. A man under authority. You want to carry authority, you've got to be under authority. One of the things also, we've got to bring our lives into alignment. Alignment is incredible, um, uh, just an, an incredible thing that we need, must build into our life. And uh, for many of you, didn't, if, you were here, if you heard Pastor Norm McLeod speaking, he talked about alignment. 70% of counseling cases and, and, and problems that people had in their own life, 70% were resolved by people just realigning their life. 70%. It wasn't fixed by somebody laying hands and casting out a devil or anything like that. It was simply a matter of taking authority in their own life and bringing everything into alignment. Alignment basically is this, that everything is going in the same direction. It's, it's, it's nothing more, it's nothing less. If your car is out of alignment, it means you have one or more wheels going off in a different direction. And as a result, what, it, what does it do? It puts stress on the car. It, um, it can cause long-term damage. It can also be a danger to drive. Just with one wheel out. Alignment is just simply that. Everything going in the same direction, around the same purpose. For you as a, per for you as a, as a, as a person, is your life, are your relationships, are your finances under alignment? Are they under an alignment according to the Scripture? Are they aligned according with the kingdom of God? Most of the problems people face is simply this, because their life is out of alignment. Maybe it's wrong, uh, wrong relationship, wrong communication in a marriage. Maybe it's to do with finances. Maybe uh, uh, your, uh, your spending's out of control. Maybe you're just not operating your finances the way that God has called you to, find, to operate them. If you're not giving, if you're not tithing, you're out of alignment. Don't go praying against the spirit of poverty. When your life is aligned, it's not just about, it's not, you don't, have the, don't just have the blessing of God. It's just, it's just operating in kingdom principles, and just that's what you get when you're aligned. First thing we've got to do, one of the first things I believe God has been speaking to me about is looking at my own life and aligning my own life according to the values that God has placed, according to the, to the, to the call that God has placed upon our lives. Aligning our life right. If you start to go off in your own direction, go off in your own tangent, it causes stress and causes trouble. And in the body of Christ, if you start to head off on your own tangent and head off doing your own thing, what does it do? It's the same thing. It's one wheel steering off another direction. It causes stress and problems. Alignment. Start off with alignment in your own life, your finances and your relationships. You'll find that God, you'll start to get an authority over your life. Is that all right? <laughs> Got a little bit quiet. But that's okay. Being under authority. The second, uh, fourth thing, just moving quickly along. 
relationships or standing with the Lord. You've got to have a, a relationship or right standing before, with God. So David said when he came before Goliath, he said in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45, he said, You come against me with, a, with this and sticks and stones and all the other things, but I come against you in the, in, the, in the name of the Lord, in the name, in the name, in relationship with the Lord, not just, he's just my buddy. No, I, I, I'm coming in, in the name. I carry the name of the Lord upon my life. The name of the Lord, the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord reflects and speaks of his character and nature. I come before you with the name of the Lord. How can he, when he states that he can state it with authority, why? Because he is, uh, he is standing in righteousness. In the name of the Lord, a name is that by which a person or a place is, or a thing is known and, and, and marked out. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Why can they be bold? Because they know that they're of right standing with God. And when they're of right standing with God, that they carry the host of heaven behind them. When you know that you've got the host of heaven behind you, you've got weight, you've got substance in your life. But when you're unsure of where you stand with God, you don't carry weight. Righteousness, right standing with God. Doesn't, friends, it doesn't matter what you have done in your life. God is always merciful. Righteousness. Righteousness. Encourage you to do a study on that. What does it mean to be righteous before the Lord? The righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous, people that know their place, people that carry the name of God, as bold as a lion. First thing, authority. Second thing, authentic presence of the Lord. So whenever Israel needed a breakthrough, they carried the ark of the Lord. They carried this, this box which, carried, which represented the presence and carried the presence of the Lord. So whenever they needed a breakthrough, they carried the ark first. The ark went always before them. The ark represented the presence, the weight of the Lord. When I started to look at the word weight, the word presence, the word presence means face or appearance. So when we talk in, in church and in places like here, we talk about the presence of the Lord filling this place. The word presence means face or appearance. The face of the Lord is here. And every face has an expression. We can look at this both um, uh, in its form context, and we can also look at it in its function. And it's, uh, in its form context, uh, Ezekiel, in, in verse, uh, Ezekiel chapter 1 talks about, he sees the four faces of God. The first one is that of a human nature, the human face, the, the face of a man. Speaking of... Um, a love for humanity. It talks about, it represents missions. It represents a lot of things. But primarily, the face of God is that of the face of a man. Although, it's, although it is different, but it's, it is, its appearance, its likeness is like that. He has eyes. He has a, they can look. He's got eyes with, the Bible describes, they're, a, they're like a flame of fire, full of love, full of grace, full of strength. So what does the face of God look like when he looks into you? The words that come out of his mouth, the expression on his face. There's also a face of a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Sometimes you've just got to let out a roar. Not just a, an animal roar, but a roar with your life. When, you're, when your life roars something, everything shakes. The face of God, the presence of God, 
got to learn to carry the authentic presence of God. See, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said in the creation of man, let us create man in our own image. Let us create him in our reflection. So you were, you were designed right from the start to carry the reflection of God. So even though the creation couldn't see God itself, when they looked at man, they could see a reflection of God. They knew that even though darkness may exist, when they look at the face of man, they could see that somewhere there is a God in heaven. Why? Because they could see the reflection of mankind. See, friends, when you and I come into the family of God and invite Jesus Christ into our heart, we are called to be reflectors or imitators of Jesus Christ. We are called to carry his nature. Not our own carnal nature, but to carry the presence to that even though that our community right now uh, maybe can't see Jesus directly, that every time they look into your, uh, look at you and my, look at you and me, they don't see the old me. They, they see the reflection of Jesus Christ. So then when they look into our lives, when they come into our presence, they know that somewhere there's a God in heaven that loves them deeply. That's what it means to carry the presence of God. It's not about just a big show. It's about taking Jesus Christ to a hurting and dying generation. We're going to carry the nature of Jesus Christ upon our lives. The nature, not our old nature, not the old self, but carry the nature of Jesus Christ. Last thing, you've got to have substance of character. Proverbs 24 verse 3. It says, through wisdom, a house is built. Through wisdom. Wisdom. Not by anything else. There's lots of things that help. But primarily, wisdom, a house is built. By wisdom, a house is built. Your life is a house. Your life as an, as an individual is a home, is a house. And the house that you live in with your family, and the house here in the church, together, Bible says that through wisdom a house is built. Not wisdom, not earthly, not earthly wisdom, but wisdom from above. James 3 talks about wisdom from above. Through wisdom a house is built and through understanding it is established. And he, in uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29, Bible says a man who excels in his work. Everybody say excels. What does it mean to excel? To excel means far above anyone, anyone else. We're not just talking about mediocre. We're not just talking about, and it's going to be okay. That'll do. We're talking about excelling. A man who excels in his work, whether you are a tradesman, whether you are a professional, whether you are a student, whether you are a, uh, whatever you are, whatever place in life that you are called to, whatever place in life that you are functioning, whatever place in life that you are working in, excel in there. A man who excels in his work shall stand before kings. A man of character, a person of character, a person of substance will have an excellent spirit upon their life. You look at a musician, for example. Some of the leading bands, the famous bands in the world, they're not formed by amateurs. They're people that give themselves and excel in what they do. And why? then they become people of substance. In 1 Chronicles, when David was building the tabernacle, building the house of the Lord, the Bible says that he brought in skilled men, skilled men, people skilled, skilled craftsmen. Not just Joe Blow that just hacked something together. He brought skilled, skilled 
uh, craftsmen. He, got, he brought in skilled musicians, people that were excellent at what they do. When somebody has, is excellent at what they do, it means they've spent time investing into their, they've, they've spent time building their gift, building their call, building what God has already placed inside of their life. Not just neglecting it, but working it, building it, investing into it. As you invest into it, it comes fatter and, and starts to increase in size and substance. So if you're a student here this morning, don't just settle for a pass. Aim to excel in your class. Aim to excel in your studies. If you're a tradesman, if you're a business person, don't just settle just for just getting by. Excel in what you do. Build character. When you build character, when you, when you excel in what you do, you'll find that people will want to come around you and be near you and ask you advice and ask your wisdom. The other thing about, about building, about being people of, of character is that sometimes we can, we can learn new skills and learn this and learn that. But you know, there are times in our life, there are times in, in life where you've just got to get on that, allow God to put you on the anvil. You know, to build character, to build substance around your life. There is uh, some things that you can do, but the core of it, You've got to allow God to put you on the anvil and start to break you and start to build you. And the thing is, all of us in life will go through difficult circumstances, difficult situations. But the thing is, my friends, is this. If your belief of these things that come here to destroy you, then it's most likely that you'll be destroyed. But if your life, if your belief system is saying, I'm going to use whatever difficult circumstance to come across my way, I am going to use that and I'm going to excel and I'm going to overcome it because the Bible says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. This circumstance here, this difficulty, this pressure is not here to destroy me, but to grow me larger. If you're a bodybuilder or something like that, what do you do to get big muscles? You go into the gym and you work those things. You put pressure on them. You put pressure to a point where it hurts and the, and, and the muscle ligaments start to, start to tear a bit and there's a process of pain. But as, a, as you start to rest, and you find that it starts to rebuild. And after a year of slogging it out of the gym and working hard, you'll find that you've turned into somebody like, I don't know, Pastor Doug. But you'll find that yourself, you've, you've bulked up. You're not the skinny little runt that you used to be. Same with life for some of you here today. You've just got to allow yourself to be put on the anvil of God and allow him to shape you, allow the fire to come, allow him to, to forge those things into your life. There are th- some things that you can learn. There are some things that are just forged in your life. And when you allow forging to take place, when you, come, when you put yourself into the place where I ain't just going to quit, I'm going to keep persisting, and I know that God will break through. You'll find that your, your spirit, that your character will be enlarged. It won't be something that you got taught, but it's something that got forged into your life. When you have that forging in your life, it builds something in your life that gives you power, that gives you substance. So I had a, just, uh, just closing up right now, um, I've just really felt God speaking uh, to me about building, getting my direction right, getting alignment. And, um, and, and allowing God to really shape my character. And I want to be a man of substance. I want to be a, a person that connected with you guys, that together we're a church of substance. And uh, me and Kate, we'd been believing for a house to sell. We'd fasted and prayed and all that sort of stuff. We'd, I'd spoken to the mountain. I'd, you name it, I'd done it. <laughs> you ever been like that? <laughs> yeah, believing for a breakthrough. And it just never came. It, it, it appeared like it was never going to come. And I... 
I got discouraged in my heart. And um, the thing is, it's like even in discouragement, you have a choice. Even when you're in fear, you have a choice. So, friends, courage is not courage unless you have fear. We all love it when we see courage. But actually, it's a demonstration of somebody overcoming fear. Today, if you struggle with fear, don't just expect someone to lay hands on you and command the demon to cast out, and then you're never going to feel fear again. You'll never be courageous. I welcome fear now. Not as a bondage in my life, but as an opportunity for me to get courageous. Because people out there today need courage. And so me and Kate, we believed and prayed, and, and nothing really happened. It was just heartbreaking. And see, commitment is not commitment. Loyalty is not loyalty until you've had a chance to be disloyal. So me and Kate, we're in this position, and we're believing that God will break through. And eventually, um, we got this offer in our house. And it was nowhere near um, uh, what we were expecting or what we were believing for. But it was okay. It was like, hey, we're going to get out of this okay. And, um, and then we got offered a piece of land. We got given a house just at the same time. And we got four acres for, uh, for a year or so. And, um, and I thought, wow, this is the blessing of God upon our lives. This is great. God, you have broken through. Hey, slightly different. <laughs> but still you've broken through. And we just rejoice in that, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to grow. And then right in the middle of it, right in the middle of it, while we were rejoicing, there was just something came up in the, in, the, in, the, in the sale of the house that just took the wind out of my sails. And um, it really just, it just annoyed me. <laughs> More than annoyed me, but it, yeah. But I had a choice then whether I would still, it's those times there where you choose there, whether you'll be faithful, whether you'll be loyal, whether you'll stay committed. Me and Kate, we decided that we would stay committed and that we would rejoice and we would, we would see, even though we can't naturally see, but we would see the provision of God, the providence of God in our situation. We decided that even though we're in a place of pain, we would not quit. Why? Because I don't want to give up just on something like that. I don't want to give up just because something just didn't work out the way I thought it would work out. I want to be, the, I want to be a man that God can trust. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord wander to and fro over the face of the earth looking for hearts who are loyal to him I decided, me and Kate decided that we're going to be loyal to God and um, we just I mean, we could have got nasty over the situation but we didn't, we decided not to we decided that somewhere God isn't here and we're going to trust God, trust him as it turned out I misheard the, uh, the size of the land that we got offered <laughs> I thought it was four acres and when I was up there just after that uh, after that incident, it was I, I discovered that it wasn't four acres; it was four hundred acres. <laughs> four hundred acres. Here I thought I got robbed of a little bit of money, and all of a sudden, four acres turned to four hundred acres. And I don't even need to look after it. Somebody else is going to look after it. it. Means I've got a massive big playground. And I, I hadn't even thought about praying about it. I saw it just a couple of days beforehand, and I thought. Yeah, I'll think about praying about that. And God provided. Not only is it 400 acres, not only is it for one year, but it's actually for four years if we want it for four years. Free. Providence of God. But in it, when I look back, I think, God, thank you for taking me through fire. Thank you for taking me through pressure. Thank you for taking me through this. Why? Because I know I'm a stronger man. I know my faith has increased as a result. Because friends, 
a couple of months' time, when we stand up against, when we stand in the mosques up in, in Pakistan, I'm going to look back and say, I'm glad I stood in faith, Lord. <laughs> Amen? What about you? What do you need to grow in? Maybe your life needs to, you need to bring your life back into alignment. Maybe you need to look at your finances and your relationships. Maybe you need to have a good look and say, what parts of my life are out of alignment? What part of my life do I need to bring back under authority? Am I just going off and doing my own thing? Or am I a person under authority? Can I be told? Whether I agree with it or whether I don't agree, can I still be told? What about your skill, young people? How much time, how much investment are you making into that, in, into that skill, into the call that God has called you to be? How much time, effort are you putting into there? What about your character? What about the stuff, the disappointments? What about the fires that God takes you through? Do you get all boohoo, hippopotamus, and crawl under your, under your bed? God, you're nasty. You hate me. Or do you stand up in faith and say, God, it doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what things appear to be right now. I choose to walk in faith. For me and Kate, we've got a, a um, on our wedding cake, just finishing here, on our wedding cake we had, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We set the direction for our life back then. So it doesn't matter what was going on in our life financially or house-wise. We just kept our focus on the same thing. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as long as we do that, we're going to be okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As long as you do that, you're going to be okay. Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise this morning.